Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Granddad was here also, but, and Brother Cliff's uh, daughter, of course, and so on and so forth. If I keep going, I, I will make a mistake, and I'll call somebody by the wrong name or something. So, All right, we're going to call your attention this morning to the book of John, chapter 2 and 19, and then Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And I'm going to ask Brother Cliff if he'd be so kind to turn those track lights way, way down. Yeah, reads like this, and we have heard this uh, scripture uh, repeated a couple of times here today, but here we go. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. This is John speaking, of course, after the Lord had resurrected and ascended back into his heavenly abode. And John says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys of hell and of death. I'd like to preach to you this morning, Easter 2022, on the greatest comeback ever. Amen. The greatest comeback ever. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, just lift your hearts here just a moment, if you would, and we're going to pray, and uh, amen. Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful that You have ordained this assembly here this morning. You know each and every one of our hearts, God. You know the challenges, Lord, that we face. You know, God, those issues and those challenges that we brought here today in hoping and believing that you would, as we know that you can, but we pray that you would help us to open our hearts so you can minister to us here today. Amen, and we promise to give you the glory in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Sunday, April 14, 2019, a couple of years back, turned out to be one of the greatest sports comebacks in history. After going through five back surgeries, five knee surgeries, a much-publicized divorce, one car crash, being arrested and having his photo shown all over the world while being completely drunk and out of this world. Going through rehab, losing multiple multi-million dollar sponsors. We saw Tiger Woods, the greatest golfer of all time, fall faster than a speeding bullet. Self-destructing in front, of the entire YouTube world. This was a man that had won 79 golf tournaments, including 14 major championships. Here are a few of the comments that the sports writers were saying about 
this man during this time period. He will never be competitive again. He will only be a ceremonial player. He will never win again. That fourth back surgery has added a sense of finality. It's over. He's done. Michael Jordan. Woods is not going to be great again. Tiger's coach said he never thought that, he, that Tiger would ever play again. Yet on Sunday, April 14, 2019, here is Tiger Woods winning the Masters after not having a won, won a major championship in 11 years. The moment was captured by Jim Nance as Tiger tapped in on number 18 in the world of sports. Here's one more time the thunderous Tiger roar from the crowd as Tiger lifts his arms in victory. Jim Nance, the sports commentator, said this, This is a moment that a lot of people thought we would never see again. The return to glory is what they call it. Doesn't matter whether it's sports, business, or a personal crisis. We all love to stand and cheer the team, the family, the business, or individual that makes a comeback in spite of what others think or say. Can you say amen? Lincoln was a loser for a very long time. Ulysses S. Grant was broken and drunk before the Civil War. Colonel Sanders was too old at 65 to start a new business. Helen Keller is blind and deaf. We could go on with a list of people who have inspired the masses of plain, ordinary folks like you and me. But we who treasure our Christian faith above all else are constantly encouraged and inspired as we read the stories of those that have gone before us bearing the good news of Easter. The endurance and perseverance of the faithful saints of God recorded especially in Hebrews chapter number 11. But this morning we want to call your attention to a couple of Bible stories that focus on our message of the comeback. Two of the most powerful comeback stories in the Old Testament, in my opinion, are Ruth and Naomi and King David. We don't have time to go into their stories most of you, I hope, have read and understand the significance of their great comebacks. We don't have time to go over so many of different characters in the Bible, but there are a couple of New Testament stories that tell of fallen men who made great comebacks. The first one I'd like to talk about is we call the prodigal son, found in chapter number in Luke chapter number 15, 11 through 32. It tells the story of a father and his two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that, fall, that are fallen to me. And we're told that the father divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son took his inheritance, he went on a journey like so many young people think that they need to do in life. He went, on, he went on a journey, the Bible says, in a far country, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. 
when he had spent all that he had, there came a famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So he got a job in that country feeding the pigs. No one would give him anything to eat, and he got so hungry, he thought about eating what the pigs were eating. Finally, he came to a census. Listen to the power of these words and let this be an encouragement any time that you feel like you are in a place that you should not be and you question whether you are going to ever be accepted back in the house of our Heavenly Father. He says these words. He comes to a census and he says, I will arise said, I will arise and return to my father. Verse number 20 simply says, and he arose. One can imagine some of the comments that he had to listen to. His boss, the pig farmer, you quit this job and no one else will ever hire you. You will starve. <laughs> or you will never make it. Your father will never take you back after the life you have lived. You stink. You smell like a pig. You are filthy. And look at what you are wearing. It's okay, I'm thinking, the young man probably said in so many words, I'm paraphrasing, it's okay, I'm not expecting Father to offer me the seat I used to sit in. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, after having endured the ridicule and those around him, uh, trying to keep him in a place away from his father, having to endure every step along the way, hanging his head, knowing that he was a complete failure. Yet we're told that he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, we are told. that His father ran and fell on his neck. He kissed his son. Fallen son said to his father, I have sinned and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, put shoes on that boy's feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let's eat and let's be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, the father said. He was lost, but he's found. And they begin to celebrate. What a comeback. What a story that should always resonate in our hearts and in our minds. What a story that should always be on uh, in our hearts when we know of somebody that has fallen and those around them. Maybe you have been in that place that try to tell you, you are too far down. God will never accept you again back into his house. 
What a comeback. What a comeback. The other man is Simon Peter. This man has been to the mountaintop. Literally been to the mountaintop. Witness the transfiguration, the Bible calls it. He holds the trophy as the only human to ever walk on water. Peter was chosen by Jesus himself, even chosen to be included in this very intimate inner circle along with the sons of thunder. Peter was a witness to all the miracles that every leper Every blind eye, every deaf ear, everybody that uh, was suffering of some kind of a disease, Peter was there. In fact, in Matthew 16, Jesus asks a very important question. He says to those around him, he says, Whom do men say that I am? Well, they say you're a great prophet or John the Baptist come back from the dead. Apparently put your head back on, you know. And, and uh, he, said, but, he said, but Simon, who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up and he said, he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus gives us these words and we as apostolic born again believing in the new birth message this is our one of our key scriptures that Jesus looked at him and he said Peter said Simon Barjona flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven has revealed this unto you and he says I say unto you that thou art Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Simon. And I'm going to give you the keys. Whoa. I'm giving you the keys, Peter. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. That's some power, folks. Whatever you loose will be loosed in heaven. Peter, you are the man. Whoa. Can imagine the sons of thunder. We know how that they, you know, they were uh, wondering who was going to be the greatest, and they asked their mom to run interference for them. She says, hey, I, you know, John wants to be on right hand. You know, James wants to be on the left hand. You know, these are the sons of thunder. No, no, no. But he gave Peter the keys. That fisherman that just, there was something about him. Wow, you got the keys. Fast forward to the Last Supper. Listen to the conversation at the table. Tonight, every one of you will be offended or deny me or fail me. All of them. Every one of them, not just Judas. Every one of them. He said, 
every one of you will be offended because of what I'm going to go through tonight. You're all going to fall. Peter responds, not a chance. Ain't happening. I'm your guy. He said, even if everyone else fails you, Master, you can count on me. I will never fail you. I will never leave you alone. In fact, I will die for you tonight. Oh. Peter, you will fail me three times tonight before the rooster crows. Not happening, Lord. I'll, I'll die for you, I'm telling you. I will never leave you. We know the story. Peter not only denies his Lord, but Matthew records Peter begins to curse and swear. He tells everybody around him, I do not know that man. Matthew 26, 75, we're told, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Amplified version says he went, he wept bitterly in repentance. We're going to leave Peter for a few minutes. Let's talk about the greatest comeback ever. Jesus was 30 years young when he started his ministry. He began by turning water into wine at a wedding. He began to teach as he spoke with words of great authority. Those around him said, no man ever spoke the way this man speaks. Luke 4, 15, we're told that he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. In other words, you saw the, the play here this morning. Every time he taught, the people were, whoa, they were astonished. It says that the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not those dry scribes. Mark 1.39 says, And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out every devil. He would reach out and he would touch a man who had leprosy. You weren't allowed to touch a leper. One thing for sure, either the leper was going to be cleansed or the Lord was going to become contaminated. The blind eyes were open. Cooper, you did a fine job, by the way. The deaf ears were made to hear. Feed 5,000 hungry people. Not a problem. Just bring me what you got. Well, we got five blows and two fish. That's enough for me. At Nain, he stops a funeral procession of a widow whose only son had died. When he saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. He touched the buyer or the coffin, the, the thing they were carrying him on. 
The Bible says the pallbearers stood still and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. He that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother. That meant, well, ain't no, ain't nobody operated on planet earth like this man. No challenge too great. We move forward to his friend Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick, dies. Jesus intentionally missed the funeral. He gets there four days later. Says, Mary, take me to the tomb. Martha says, Lord, he stinks. There's a lot of stinky things in the world. You understand the Lord is not, he is not your, whatever stench that you and I may have in our lives at times, he is not challenged by that. The only thing he's challenged by is that you and I, that we succumb to a nothingness of staying in that pig pen instead of saying, I know my father, and when I tell myself I will arise and I will go back to the house of God, I know that he will be there to meet me. And I know an assembly of God's people that will not treat me as some person that just came out of the garbage dump. We find the shortest verse in the Bible, 1135 of John, Jesus wept. He calls out Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound with a napkin. I have no idea what he looked like when he came Did he bounce out of that cave? Did he float out of that cave? I don't know. But the Bible says his hands were bound, his feet were bound. So I don't know how he comes out of that tomb, but I do know this, friend, that when the Lord calls your name, it don't matter what kind of a situation you are in, you got to remember, friend, he is Lord. He can call you out of whatever situation that you are in. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Well, we could stop there for a while, couldn't we? I, I would love to hang around with a dead with a guy who'd been dead for four days, man. <laughs> yeah, I would. And you know the story. They came to, to have dinner not just for the Lord, you know. He said, hey, you know, we're, we're here not just for you, Jesus. We want to talk to a guy who's been dead four days. Wow. A week later, we find the Lord making his way into Jer- to Jerusalem with tens of thousands of people along the way shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! They recognize him as the king. 
They are giving him the very worship that he and only he is due. They're not, they are not, they're not downplaying, they're not being intimidated by the religious groups of that particular day, right then and there. Bible says that he is riding in on that donkey and the people are shedding their coats and spreading them along the way and their hands are raised and their voices are raised and they're saying glory, 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 hallelujah. Matthew records that when he went into Jerusalem, says the whole city of Jerusalem was moved. It was like that move there, it, it means tremor. It, it, it implies a little bit of an earthquake, if you will. They didn't know what to do. They went, then in John records this, the whole world has gone after him. The whole world, they, they had, what are, you, what are they going to do? They went after him, all right. They arrested by an angry mob in the Garden of Gethsemane, brought to an illegal trial in the middle of the night, mocked, spit on, slapped around, crown of thorns pressed onto his head, falsely accused and convicted of blasphemy, flogged with a whip of which the Roman instrument was generally a cat of nine tails, and generally the condemned, even though the Bible doesn't tell us, usually the condemned, especially if they were going to be crucified, received 39 lashes. We've seen it. We've heard it. Here's where we find among the crowd the man with the key. He denies the Lord three times. He walks away a broken, fallen man. Walk that lonely road Peter takes to his home. His wife, we know Peter was married. Peter, what's going on? What's going on, Peter? He relays the story, not just of what he has witnessed, but he has miserably. I don't know if there's character in the entire scriptures that has fallen worse or fallen as bad as Peter fell that night. David, he, he went a long ways, but Peter did, he, he, he had a relationship, a physical relationship in person with the Lord. The Lord had given him the key. I can't even imagine. They're crucified. They had crucified the Lord here. And I messed up. Next day, we can only surmise that we know the story. He's crucified. Joseph of Arimathea comes. And, and I love one of the gospels says, the Bible says that he begged the body. He begged the body. And I'm just going to throw this out to you. 
not part of my message, but let me throw this out to you. How do you think he treated the body of the Lord as he removed him from that place? Just a simple reminder that you and I are part of the body of Christ. How do you treat your brother? The next day, the 11 probably meet. We don't know all of the story, but I just wonder what the other 10 are saying among themselves, or at least thinking. Peter's done. He's Dad took away his shoes. Meanwhile, we know the mob cried out, Crucify him! Let his blood be upon us and our children. They led him away to be crucified. Jesus tells us in John 10 18, he told him, but all he taught the lesson, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No men take it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Listen carefully. He says, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will I will come back. You think that you're going to take what I have planned on for a few thousand years, this plan of the full, complete gospel message of the death, the burial, and the rest? You think you got the power to destroy what I came into the world to accomplish? He says, you destroy this body. He says, in three days I'm coming back from the dead. They take our Lord to a place called Calvary, pound the spikes into his feet and hands, leaving him hanging on the old rugged cross. Even while he's on the cross, the people are mocking him. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Matthew 27 describes the scene. We don't have time to read everything. But they mocked him in these words. As he was hanging on the cross, there were those that said... This man had made a statement that destroy this body and in three days I will raise it up. (laughs) We know the story. Joseph of Arimathea. He's, as he's on the cross, they're mocking him and saying, hey, you're just, you are just like us. You're just human. You can't, you're not, you're not going to come back from the dead. They put him 
Joseph of Arimathea takes the body down from the cross. He has a tomb that he apparently has purchased with his own money. There he puts the Savior in. We, we after cleaning him up and everything, what a what a what a gruesome thought it is. But I can only imagine the care that and the the love that he put in to preparing that body. You can't even. It, it's a it's a crazy thing to think about. But you got to understand that. What if you were handling him? Joseph cleans him up. They lay him in there. The two Marys are sitting there, and they roll the the uh, they roll the the stone in front of it. Pilate puts a seal on it so they can't break it. And uh, some of the Pharisees, Sadducees, they come to Pilate. They say, "Hey, Pilate." They says, "Let's do this right." He says, "Because this man said that in three days he was going to come back." And in case the disciples come and steal the body away, let's put a guard on it. We know the story. They put a guard on it, all right? But oh, my friend, after three days we are told that there was a little bit of an earthquake. There was a rolling away of the stone. And all of a sudden, we're told that Mary, oh, that precious Mary of Magdalene, that it had seven devils in her that had been casted out. I'm sure there was a few of her friends along the way that ridiculed her and said, see, your Savior is gone and, and He's gone, Mary. You'll never see Him again. But Mary stays there at the tomb and who should the Lord appear to first and foremost than Mary of Magdalene that had seven devils in her casted out? Came out of that tomb showing himself alive on several occasions. We're told to Mary, to the disciples, even doubting Thomas eight days later, we're told that he appeared to Peter as a, a one-on-one prior to the day that he came and they did the fishing thing and, and Peter jumped in the water and then we're told that for 40 days he appeared alive, even as many as to 500 people at one time. They ran around Jerusalem. They were proclaiming to the world that, that he is alive. He has came back. It's the greatest comeback story that there ever will be. There will be none greater. So we listen again to the words in Revelation. Fear not, John. I am the first and the last. I am he that lives. He said, I was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. This is after his ascension from Bethany. He lifts up his hands. He blesses those that are there that day. While he was blessing them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Actually, pick up the story and when they, he had spoken these things while they beheld 
he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine? You and I can't even imagine uh, what kind of a celebration uh, those angels proclaimed the day when Jesus walked back in uh, to that throne room uh, and sit down on that throne. Uh, and he under they understood. Uh, they didn't understand when he left, uh, but they understood when he came back uh, what he had accomplished. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, hold on, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. They said, O ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Listen carefully, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come back. He is going to come back again. It was. It will be the greatest comeback in the history of the world. He's coming back again. He didn't just come back from the dead. He's coming back. That he shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. He said, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He said, I'm coming back. He says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Yes, Brother Ali, this is where all of our Easter eggs are in one basket, if you will. I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I will come again. You talk about the greatest comeback of all times. Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. It don't matter if you are in or outside of wherever you will you will see him come back in all of his glory as the mighty king and the conqueror of death hell and the grave he coming back I would not have you to be ignorant, the writer says, brethren, concerning those that are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming and to the comeback of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another. 
with these words, I'm coming back. I came back from the dead, but you ain't seen nothing yet. You wait until every eye beholds it when I come back and I set my feet on Mount Olivet and that mountain departs. He's coming back. Oh, wait a minute. There's one more comeback. You see, because part of that comeback, Jude 14 says, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. We are going up in the clouds and we are coming back with him in the clouds. Let's not forget Peter. We left him a broken man. He failed his master, even cursed him. You might say that Peter denied and cursed the Lord when he was on his deathbed. I don't think that would be an exaggeration. Peter, you'll never come back from this. You'll never come back. The Lord, we know, as part of that 40-day appearance, he appears to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? That I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. You see, we find Peter fulfilling the words of Jesus. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. After you are converted, strengthen your brethren. As you stand with us today, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is not crawling. He's not sitting down. But the Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost that Peter is standing up with the eleven. The sons of thunder are not going to preach that message on the birthday of the church. No, sir. Peter understands that no matter where, Peter, of all people, Peter is a living testimony and a witness to you and me. I don't know what condition you are in here today. You may be in a far country, or you may be contemplating going into a far country. You may have been surrounded and pressured at times in your life where though you're not one you're not a Christian, are you? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not one of them. Young people always facing obstacles in their schools anymore, beyond it. Our comprehension. Oh, come on! You don't, you don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to uh, to act that way. You can do this. You can do that. No, I can't. Bible says that Peter was standing up w- with 
the 11, he still has the keys to the kingdom of heaven in his hand. And he preaches the first New Testament message of salvation on the day of Pentecost. That man that had fallen, I can only, if I could just use my imagination, there came a day in Peter's life after he met the Lord and the Lord showed himself. I'm quite certain that Peter, all of a sudden, he stood up and he says, I'm coming back. He says, I'm, I am coming back stronger than I ever have before. I'm going to wait until the Lord baptizes me with the Holy Ghost. And when he does that, I am going to have a word of boldness that is going to set this world on fire. He does. How about you this morning? Why don't we mark this date on the calendar, wherever we are, what? Make this a date on your calendar, and you say, I, I am, I'm going to get up from where I am. You may be in good standing. You may be on a, a good level, but I'm here to challenge you this morning that there's a place that God still wants you to climb up that proverbial spiritual ladder. He wants you to climb that thing. He wants you not to settle for anything less. You look around and you say, I will arise and I will come back stronger than I ever have before. I am going to be stronger in my prayer and more fervent in my prayer than I ever have before. I'm going to worship God like you have never seen me. Or maybe it is that you're going to come in and you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to teach the Word of God to somebody because the good news is too good to hold in my pocket. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to teach I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach, I'm going to, I'm going to preach with, 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 with a passion that, that I never have before. I'm going, to, I'm going to come back stronger than I ever have before. At my age, I'm telling you that I'm going to come back stronger than ever. Some of our elders say, oh, yeah, Brother Kelly, you've lost it, man. I mean, God, surgery, you've, you've lost it. You'll, you'll never. Brother Alex, oh my, my heart goes out to you. You'll never, you'll, you'll never come back to that place that you once had in God. Please, I, I apologize if I offend you. Shane, come on, my man. How about it? How about it? You want to do something great for your family? You be something great for God. 
You want to do something great for this country called the United States of America? You do something great for God. You show the world that you're going to come back as an individual that has been empowered. That they're not going to lay you in some tomb and roll a big rock in front of it and says, don't just leave him alone. He stinks. If you're here this morning, you want to make a commitment like you never have before in your life, if you need a miracle in your life today, if you need a healing in your life today, whatever it needs, I challenge you to come to the front for a few minutes. They say the candy shower, I think, is at 10 after, so they're giving us 10 minutes according to the bulletin to have an altar service. So how about it, folks? Can we... Can we come back? Can this assembly come back to a place that it never has before? Can we get this thing rolling like we never have before? Oh, come on. I challenge you. Our guests this morning, please feel free. We're not going we're, we're to push you. We're not going to drag you. But we are going to try to persuade you that if you will come to this place that we call the altar and you will just lift your heart to the Lord, it would do you good. If you are alive today and the Lord has given you health, you should at least at a minimum, you should be able to raise your hands and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the quality of life that you've given me. If nothing else, if you live as an American free citizen, you should at least raise your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. If you're a young person and your mom and dads are in this place, you should be thanking the Lord that you have parents that are trying their best to raise you right. Come on, that's it. Let's lift our hearts to Him. Let's lift our hands to Him. Let's give Him the glory that He is deserving of today. I tell you, wherever you're at, if you don't feel comfortable with coming down to the front, why don't you just lift your heart? Wherever you're at, would you lift your heart to Him? Can we just call upon His name? That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Just lift your heart to Him. Oh, He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Hallelujah, 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 Oh, that's it, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Your name hallelujah. Is Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. 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 Your name is this.